For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hello, I'm J. Michael Tatum, and you're listening to one hell of a show, The Geek Show. So, welcome to The Geek Show. We are the flagship podcast of The Geek Show Podcast Network, and we take a look at all of the news that just can't really fit in any of our other shows, some of which we'll be previewing and discussing later on in the show. But first up, we've got some news, and to discuss the news, I've been joined by Rob. Hello. Um, yes. The news this week, uh, I think you're taking the lead, aren't you, with which mm. long history of doing weird stuff in the in the news. Um, I think jumping off to another show like Literary Loitering, I think one of the consistent like outlier awards is the Bad Sex Awards. But yeah, I mean, we, we live for the Bad Sex Awards on Literary Loitering. But these ones, I'm not sure I've heard of this one. Um, the uh, Noble Awards? Is, yes, is this- the Ig Nobel Awards, um, a pun, of course, on the Nobel Prize. It's for research that, to quote, first makes you laugh, then makes you think, and rewards fields of bizarre scientific endeavour. Now, some of 2017's Ig Nobels have uh, dealt with questions I think we've all wanted answered for some time. Um, the anatomy prize, for example, was given to a GP from Kent called James Heathcote, who finally solved the mystery of why old men have big ears. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that's a question that really needs answering, to be honest. Well, tough luck, Rob. Someone's answered it. <laughs> Apparently, gravity stretches them by 0.22 millimetres every year. Oh, and he was me thinking that just granddads are magic. So. Yes. <laughs> Others include a cognition prize uh, dedicated, given to a study demonstrating that many identical twins can't tell each other apart. I don't, I don't know how you test that. <laughs> um, I'm particularly concerned about how you test the economics prize which went to Matthew Rockoff and Nancy Greer for experiments to see whether a person's willingness to gamble can be affected by giving them a small live crocodile to hold. <laughs> That's, well, it's certainly award-worthy. <laughs> yes. um, I'm not sure I have an opinion otherwise. It's just so weird. <laughs> Yeah, but apparently, if you hold the crocodile and have negative feelings, you will gamble less. So, you know, if you want a responsible gambler, you've got to find someone who is not that big on crocodiles. Are these like cute crocodiles? Oh. I mean, it's <laughs> so many cute questions. Crocodile. Uh, I, I don't know, like a puppet crocodile. Um, that might be. <laughs> that might work. But if it's like a real one, that might like chew on your arm a little bit. I think crocodile would be more pressing than the gambling, to be honest. 
there's this sort of fuss on now, isn't there, about fixed odds betting terminals and, you know, how it's enticing people who don't have much money to gamble what little they have away. I think we could have found the answer here. Yeah, the more money you put in, the more the door opens to let the crocodile out. Yes, you just have to, you can get into our betting shop, but first you have to give a solid five-minute cuddle to this crocodile. <laughs> That's just adorable. It's a better world, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure why they went, they went with crocodiles immediately, but sure, it's, it's left field thinking. Incidentally, uh, the internet will be pleased to know that one of these prizes was given to someone working with cats. Yes, the physics prize went to Mark Antoine Fardin for testing whether or not cats are actually a liquid. <laughs> yeah, that was a gag on the internet, wasn't it? Because there's like a, I think it was a meme. Oh, was like it? A, like a cup. You know those um, big sort of... Um, like a there was that old, yeah, Like that famous shot of a woman who was sat in like liquid and she's like sat in like a massive-sized uh, novelty gla- wine glass. Yeah. And there's a picture of a similar thing, but it's a cat, and the cat just fills all of the wine glass part. Yes. <laughs> so they've proved that cat, cats are liquid, so that's cutting-edge research, that is. <laughs> Speaking of uh, rather ignoble things, should we move on to our second story? Um, yeah, this was pre... Uh, well, it, we talked about it a little bit last week. Mm. Uh, not we, uh, Andrew and Rob talked about how Amazon are reportedly in talks with Warner Brothers to return to the Lord of the Rings to do some stories, to, to do more Lord of the Rings. Hmm. And uh, there's been a press then released by the head of Amazon Studios, Sharon uh, Tai. Oh, there's a name. <laughs> uh, head, Amazon Studios head of scripted series, Sharon Tal Yigaudo, expressed the company's excitement, and she went on to say, The Lord of the Rings is a cultural phenomenon that has captured the imagination of generations of fans through literature and the big screen. We are honoured to be working with the Tolkien Estate and Trust, HarperCollins and New Line, and its exciting collaboration for television, and are thrilled to be taking the Lord of the Rings fans on an epic new adventure to Middle-earth. And essentially, it's previously unexplored stories based on J.R.R. Tolkien's original writings. Oh, God. <sighs> It's just tallying up how much Lord of the Rings has been. Mm. There's been the three movies, like, I think they were all based, like a base time of three hours, weren't they? Yeah, basically. And the director's cut, which could end up being, I don't know how long the Return of the King director's cut is, but I'm assuming it's a day long. Yes. <laughs> and there's the Hobbit trilogy, and they're all about three hours give or take. Mm. And then... There's the director's cuts of that. So you're talking about 15 hours of content, give or take. Yeah. Who, want, who wants more Lord of the Rings, seriously? <laughs> it's true. It's, I mean, anyone who's heard the last episode will know that Andrew was uh, hugely excited, I would say, about the idea of a bit more Tom Bombadil action. <laughs> well, it'd be interesting. <laughs> it'd be something. Yeah, um, this is part of Amazon's drive, isn't it, to have the new Game of Thrones, um, which (laughs) 
so far they seem to be going about it in some bizarre ways. I mean, a couple of projects <coughs> that leap out to me as uh, because I like Rob Amon Cinema Eclectica, the Geek Shows film podcast. I noticed there was a big David O. Russell mini series that got cancelled in the Harvey Weinstein fallout. And there's, they've also got this mega budget 1930s sort of period thriller coming from one car. Why? And I mean, even if he was currently on peak form, one car, why, in case you don't know this, this is a, a incredibly prestigious Hong Kong director who his last films, t- to be blunt, haven't been that great. But even if they had been, this is someone who's basically famous for going massively over schedule and massively over budget with every single thing he makes. So the idea that you're going to get like a yearly series of television out of someone who takes about seven years to make a two-hour film, it's mm. just it's just throwing money on a bonfire, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, Andrew, I think it was Andrew, he also said that they must have a load of like props left over. Mm. And that, that makes sense, but if it is going to go forward, and it sounds like it is, I don't think they'd have the nerve to actually approach Peter Jackson for it, because I assume he's going through therapy or something. Yes. <laughs> Just to sort of get rid of all of that. If, if ever see another troll, <laughs> it'll be, be too soon. <laughs> I don't know. He sees the man the guy, slightly yeah. pointy ears, and he just freaks out thinking it's an elf. Yeah, it's... I mean, I'm not a biggest fan of Lord of the Rings, but I know people loved it. Mm. But when it says the other stories, there's not really much left. There, yeah, I'm getting a horrible picture of all those sort of cash-in books that the Tolkien estate have put out, where it's like, based on an original post-it note by J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, <laughs> but it'll be lapped up. It will be lapped up. It would, because people really have poor impulse control. And, you know, I'm, I'm as bad as that as anyone else. But fortunately, um, nutritionist Emily Field has a bit of a rescue for us all. Yes. <laughs> she has recommended the ideal food from a nutritional perspective to have when you eat a burger. And it's another burger. Um. I want to scrutinise her, you know, nutritionist credentials. Yes. Because <laughs> isn't the point of a nutritionist to help people, like, cope with food better and lose weight and be healthier? I mean, the bar was lowered significantly when Gillian McKeith started calling herself a nutritionist. Yeah, uh, I think she just had, like, a really weird fetish going around staring at people's <laughs> poo. So <laughs> I don't think that's the same thing. Every time I bring up Gillian McKeith, I just have to introduce Dr. Ben Goldacre's amazing joke about her from his Guardian column where he introduced her as Gillian McKeith, or to give her her full medical title, Gillian McKeith. (laughs) Oh, that's that's harsh. There is a bit of a reasoning behind this, although it sounds a bit like, you know, the running for next year's Ig Nobel Awards have opened unusually soon by the look of this, I think. It's not great to eat two burgers all of the time. The idea is that if you replace the chips on the side of your first burger with another burger, the additional protein and fats in the second burger will lessen the impact of the carbohydrates and sugars, resulting in a smaller blood sugar spike, which is better not just for your gut, but for bodies in general. Is that nonsense? I don't know. It was gibberish to me. 
So what she's saying is basically you can make a sandwich out of burgers and it's fine because health and body and science <laughs> reasons. Chemicals and that. Yeah. It's, do you think, it's just struck me, do you think this is behind that ridiculous fad of like gastro pubs now when they give you a burger, it is something that cannot be eaten as a burger. It is stacked too high. You have to take it to bits and eat each individual ingredient. Yeah, well, they do that with sauce as well. I I lost a battle, a long-fought battle, with a, with a pub <laughs> burger that had enough sauce to drown a small country, if you, if you chose. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it seems like she's got, like, steaks and not that sort of steak. Oh, that is a good, a good bit of pun work. <laughs> she's got, like, steaks in McDonald's or something, and she, she really wants to make her money in return, you know. And she's also, you know, betted on a short for the potato market. Yeah, because um, it's like a double-edged sword here, because one is like, um, what about people who eat two burgers and then they suddenly find out that it's healthy? Oh, yeah, you've just empowered them now, haven't you? Yeah, or oh, they just don't, and, oh, they're so against anything healthy, they actually start eating better. So it has like the opposite, but hang on, I'm getting confused. Loops and loops and loops here. It's just, yeah, you're double negativing the whole idea of nutrition now. It's weird. Yes. Um, we You'd need a computer to figure it out. Oh, we would, um, which is something which Domino's hey. uh, have engaged in because apparently they're using artificial intelligence to check pizza quality because this is clearly what it's made for. Um <laughs> Apparently, there are currently twenty, no, two thousand Domino's stores across seven countries, and all of them are getting a pizza checker. Do um, it's a pizza checker. It's basically like a, a piece of technology called the Dragon Tail, and it sits above something described as cut branch and photographs pizzas for quality control. All of it identifies all typed. Oh yeah, it identifies type topping, topping distribution, which is something <laughs> <laughs> crust type and temperature, and reports back. In three seconds. I don't believe a single word of that. Yeah, and if it doesn't cut the stage, uh, the dragon tail will tell you your pizza failed its quality testing. <laughs> it's like the Inquisitor on Red Dwarf, but solely for pizzas. Yeah, I mean, I, I like pizzas as much as the next person, but never once have I gone to like a pizza shop, Domino's or whatever it might be, looked at mm-hmm. the topping and thought, that topping's rubbish. That I'm not eating that. It's it's a like a piece of technology for a problem which does not exist. Nobody cares what a piece <laughs> looks like. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's so true. And you know, I I think that we should just take pizzas as given. I went to a restaurant recently in um, I think it was in the Metro Centre where you can choose your own toppings and your own sauces for pizzas. And it just left me with the impression that the general public cannot be trusted with this power. <laughs> well, some people, ah, pizza's just crazy. I mean, there's there's pineapples on pizzas. There's <sighs> broccoli. There's... Is there? Yeah, oh word. broccoli on pizza. Who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying they're not monsters, but it does happen. If you had like broccoli and pineapple on your pizza, I think. There's a circle of hell, like, safe for you. <laughs> I really like pineapple pizzas, and I felt deeply persecuted as they've become a sort of internet punch bag. Yeah, I mean, I like them every now and again, but, yeah, they don't deserve the hit. The, 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 the weird thing is, though, 
Mm. I, I don't know. It's just the whole idea of like pizza quality control. <laughs> what happened? What happened? <laughs> what instigated the need for this technology? It's such a imagine people who go into the pizza restaurant business for the art of it, and you know, <laughs> found them in this hell world where you have to get a robot to tell you if your pizza toppings are good or not. Yeah, it's a weird world we live in. I mean, it's not like we're using this whole idea of artificial intelligence and ruining it or anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know? um... I mean, there's there's a bit of a theme emerging here, isn't there? I mean, in the second half of the show, we're going to discuss artificial intelligence in general because we have two new stories based around it, uh, the one that Rob's just read, and also the uh, strange development of Spot Mini, Boston Dynamics, slightly unnerving robot dog. Again, why... Do we need a robot dog? I don't know. But as robot dogs go, the new design for Spot Mini is looking pretty good. And uh, the demonstration video shows that it can trot along at a sort of same pace as your average dog and also sort of crouch down on its haunches and glower at the camera, which I don't know if that's an essential feature of the dog. I would have done fetch before this. Yeah, I mean, I also also would have given it a head, but you know, <laughs> it, it it's got like its big four long legs, little body mm. which is yellow, and it's got like a, a vent where it it looks like a vent or something like a vent where its yeah. head should be. And usually, don't call come your fashion, but prefer my dogs to have heads. So <laughs> <laughs> there was a prototype of it from last year that had not a head but a sort of a arm that grew out of where the head should be. And that actually looks Ooh. pretty cool. It's like a little robot diplodocus or something. And it can do household tasks. And why, why would you lose this? It looks great. Yeah, I mean, poor dogs, though. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think dogs could have a bit of mileage left in them. I'm not sure whether Spot Mini is going to be replacing a Labrador in the uh, Andrex adverts anytime soon. Um, are the sort of technology loops, technological loops back going forward, like going really back, far back in history, where the horse was saved by... No, hang on. Yeah, the horse was saved by the horse and... Ah, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. The horse was saved by the automobile mm. and so on and so forth and those sorts of cycles. So with this, if this like sort of um, works properly, it's basically setting the dogs up for a life of luxury, really. That's true. I hadn't thought of it that way. Of course, a dog already has a life of luxury, doesn't it? I mean, it spends most, my dog spends most of its day on a rug, occasionally raising its head when it hears the door going. It <laughs> basically uses humans for both food and putting its poo in plastic bags. I mean, even the queen doesn't get that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you can really go up from that. But it, it's it's clear it's it's clear Rob that artificial intelligence is going to be an increasing issue in this new century we find ourselves in, isn't it? Indeed. Mm. That's more a- about that after these messages. Do you know the difference between Yandere and Sundere? Do you prefer Moe over Emo? Then you should listen to Keyframe, the Geek Show's dedicated animation podcast. I even made a new friend. I have a friend. <laughs> And the absurd thing is she's actually an operating system. Charles left her behind, but she's, she's, 
she's totally amazing. You know, she's so smart. She doesn't just see things in, in black or white. She sees this whole gray area, and she's helping me explore it. And we just bonded really quickly. I'm weird. That's weird, right? That I'm bonding with an OS. No, it's okay. It's weird. <laughs> well, I don't think so. Actually, the woman that I've been seeing, Samantha, I didn't tell you, but she, she's an OS. You're dating an OS? What is that like? It's great, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I feel really close to her. Like, when I talk to her, I feel like she's with me. Hi, I'm Destiny Blue, the anime artist, and I like drawing and the Geek Show, which you are currently listening to. And welcome back to the Geek Show. And as we mentioned there before the break, we're going to be talking a little bit about AI. Not the mm. terrible movie with Will Smith, but the thing, artificial intelligence. Are you getting your AI mixed up with your iRobot there? Yeah, it was actually Steven Spielberg, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're clearly angling for a portmanteau film called AI Robot. Yes, I've <laughs> been <Yeah>. rumbled. <laughs> yeah, because it, it feels like there is not a single day that doesn't pass without some story which would previously have seemed like a very weird science fiction story. But these, now they're in the news. Yeah, I mean, um, this might date me a little bit and Graham as well because... We're around the same age. We're about the same age, yeah. TV show. But there was a thing, um, I can't remember when it was exactly, it was a TV show called Tomorrow's World. Yeah. And for ages, it was like, Tomorrow's World lied. None of these technological advances that we're talking about yes. ever come remotely close to happening. And one of them, which did the feature on that show quite often, was AI. And now we're like operating in like the realm of sci-fi. And it's, it's really bizarre mm-hmm. because... You know, you think uh, AI would be about uh, sort of just programming, basically, yeah. like running software, like, uh, but it's not. And it's, I mean, there are still strong parts of that. You've had this thing recently where um, Facebook and the other big social media companies have been answering questions to, to the Senate about Russian adverts placed in the run-up to the American election. And that's hinged on a sort of... Well, I don't want to say a revelation because we'd already suspected it, but basically that these companies were using algorithms to run pretty much everything. And as Al Franken said, you know, you you boast about the success of this, but what you're saying here is that your algorithm literally could not detect that adverts paid for in rubles might have been placed by Russians. Yeah, yeah, they can put AI on, I think it was on Twitter, and by its interactions with the Twitter community. I can't remember whether it become like a massive anime fan or like a neo-Nazi or maybe both. Yeah, I was going to say on Twitter, it's, it's, they go together disturbingly well, don't they? I mean, that was, that's a strange thing how, you know, I don't know whether that says a lot about what we think when we say, oh, he is like an AI. Mm. Like, let's ruin it. Or, <laughs> that's just the way people are. I don't know, but it's, it's weird how it can reflect people like an AI like that. Yeah, it's. I, I suppose it's that sort of push-pull thing where with something like Tay, the Microsoft AI that you were talking about there that went on Twitter and um, became a bit, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got the push-pull, hasn't it, where you feel like you could talk to it 
but at the same time you know it's not a person so you can talk to it in a way that you wouldn't to a person yeah and it's it's again to relate it to like pop culture um there was mm. that film a few years ago i can't remember what directed now not yeah, spike jones spike jones directed it called her yeah that's basically true now i mean other than the revelations at the end of it in which it got a bit meta and a bit of wall breaking but the idea of you having this um I don't know what you call it, want to call it a relationship, but you talk to and you converse with this AI that runs your computer. Mm. I've got it now. It's like Siri. It's like Alexa, the Amazon stuff. It's real. Yeah. And I, um, I mean, I've always been a bit of a late adoptive with technology, but I am a real late adoptive with stuff like Alexa and Siri because I find them creepy. A friend of mine got one, and the first thing I asked it was, Alexa, are you sending all my information to GCHQ? <laughs> How did it respond? I can't answer that. Mmm, convenient, Alexa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think I'm in the sort of the, the same group as the Twitter um, community. Not in the sense that I try to turn every Siri or whatever <laughs> it is into a neo-Nazi. More in the sense that I try to sort of like find out its limits. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I was looking at this story um, the other week about the AI Sophia. Have you heard of Sophia? No, that's a new one. That it's uh, designed to be a sort of human-like robot, and as with all human-like robots, it's a bit uncanny valley, but it is quite expressive. There, there is already a Sophia reaction gif, which these days, that's how you know you've arrived. Um, but this week it was revealed that it's actually got citizenship in Saudi Arabia. Um, I'm not sure how to react to that. I know, it's got like a passport and everything. Is that saying that Sophia is an incredible AI? Or is that saying that the, the limitations to being a citizen of Saudi Arabia are just very, very low <laughs> and it's very easy to become a citizen? Yes. Uh, I suppose it, it's saying that the Saudi government treat most of their citizens as though they're cognitively limited robots anyway. So, you know. Satire. <laughs> I think with the Sabitia thing, as I've sort of warmed up to it, it it's sort of good i think because if we're going to have intelligent machines we might as well treat them like humans from the get-go yeah you know so that's how all the uh, apocalyptic end of the world robot scenarios play out yeah we we treat them like a second coming of um slave labor yeah and they're evolved to the point where they've got like true sentience and true personality and they say hang on why are you doing all this why are we doing all this and you're doing nothing and then yeah. the all, you know. <laughs> I mean, one thing that I liked about Blade Runner 2049, which uh, we, we all reviewed on Cinema Eclectic, and I think we both had very mixed feelings about, but I did like that in the opening caption, it calls the replicant labour slavery, mm. which the original, I don't think did. I might be misremembering, but certainly in the opening caption, it comes up with a lot of euphemisms for replicant labour, but really, Denny Villeneuve's sequel just straight up calls it slavery, and I thought that was a nice moral standpoint to begin with. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if Robot Kind was actually 
put together by um oh what's he called the actor his name's gone uh, Jared Leto. Yeah, Jared Leto. I think personally, I'd have some qualms about it too. Yes. <laughs> it's it, well, yeah. I mean, if that is what robots are going to be, and that's like a, a true AI, and the basically indistinguishable uh, mm. from um, humanity, I think there will be issues initially. But I don't think people will be that bothered at the end of the day, given it like a sort of a climatization period. Yeah. I think it, it would almost be better than having something like those robot dogs we've seen that are clearly mechanical in a way that yeah. you sort of feel uneasy about. Something like Sophia forces you to interact with it as a sort of life form, I guess, which it isn't yet. You know, nothing's at that stage yet. But when it is, it will probably be nice if we've got used to that first. Yeah, I mean, uh, the robot, the dog... It's very different. I mean, it clearly doesn't look anything like a dog. It's just referred to as a dog because it's got four legs and it walks like a taller dog, you know, like, yeah. greyhound, like a greyhound maybe or something. But, yeah, it's just a slow thing, isn't it? Because we've, we've had robots and some form of AI for years now. I mean, going back to, like, the the first... I don't know if it was the first, but it must have been early days. Mm-hmm. The the Sony Ibo dog. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's... A, that's a very it's quite old, you know. What I mean, must be coming on like fifteen years old. That thing. Mm. So we are playing this. We're not us collectively, yeah. but, you know. What I mean, uh, us as a race are slowly building to, you know, create robot kind or a true AI. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I don't know what that says about us as a species, where we feel any. We we also have children and. Um, I don't know what it says about us as a species that as soon as we start talking about robots, we inevitably start talking about sex bots. It's like there have been a lot of news stories about what will happen when we can make a robot prostitute. And it's like, hang on, uh, if I missed the part of the conversation where we all decided robot prostitutes were a great idea. Yeah, I mean, before that, I'd prefer to have like, just a friend who we could watch some good movies with, you know. And, That'd be and wouldn't nice, ju- wouldn't it? And, and one judge, you know. Because that's because you're an old fashioned romantic, Rob. You want to get to know the robot before you have sex with it. <laughs> yeah. And we, sh- we should all be t- take a lesson from that, you know. Mm. And not that, oh, no, not Rick and Marty. That's, that's channeling a lot of <laughs> frustrations of a lot of people, I think. <laughs> that particular episode. But yes, maybe we should uh, draw the veil over it um that's what rick and marty does you know it just takes things too far so because of that we have to follow follow suit and just cut it off and <laughs> <laughs> bad choice of words given the, the way we, we ended that conversation yes. day, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so that has that's all we have time for this week on uh the geek show yeah, just time to throw in a couple of mentions for podcasts that we do before the end. We've mentioned Cinema Eclectica and Literary Loitering, but uh, Rob, you're also on 4Panel, aren't you? Uh, yes, I'm a, I'm the substitute for 4Panel. Uh, I'll be on this week ah. talk, talking about a Japanese comic that's about the zoo. We all like zoos. Yeah. And uh, Spider-Man, so there's some crossover with what we talked there in some level. Mm. And uh, Keyframe, the Keyframe. anime show. Yeah, which I'm. Yeah, I know anime. I used to watch it. I'll give you that much. I think it's best listening to the show to get a better idea. 
all yes. that. I think it'd be fairer on them. Yeah. <laughs> you can catch up with the gig show at the gig show at Cody Kiss. Put us on Patreon by searching for the gig show over there. And I engage with all the sorts of content we have by following us on social media at, at TJS underscore the gig show on Twitter or just search for the gig show on Facebook. Um, but until next time, I've been Rob. I've been Graham. And thanks for listening. For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.